0: Welcome to today's episode. Today I am reading Neville Goddard's lecture titled This Is My Name Forever. If you would like a copy of this lecture in PDF format, you can go to the link in the description for this podcast and it should be up in a couple of days. I don't know that I will get it up by the time the podcast goes out, but Uh, I do have a lot of Neville's lectures on the resource page of my blog. So you can go there, download any of the lectures that are currently available, and check back often for new lectures. Uh, I do update that uh, every few days or so. And also, I have relaunched uh, the courses based on Neville Goddard's lectures. So going back to 1948, I've started updating those Courses, Um, in the courses, there's more of a breakdown on some of the more difficult terms found in Neville's lectures and those uh, definitions or the symbolism behind those terms, as well as breaking down scripture and the symbolism uh, within the passages that Neville mentions in his lectures. So if you want to check those out, um, there is a link as well to those courses. All right, so let's get into the lecture. Again, it's titled This is my name forever. Tonight let us discuss the name. If you find this name or believe in it, really there is nothing impossible to you. If you really believe in it. Moses said to God, "If I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say?" The Lord said, I am who I am. Sometimes it is translated, I am what I am, or I am that I am, but any form of the verb to be. I am who I am. Then he said, say this to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. The Lord God, the God of your father, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever. And by this name I shall be known throughout all generations. No change in this name, my name forever. This comes in the book of Exodus, the third chapter, verses 13 through 17. If you read the book of Exodus, you will find that this is sheer power, completely unmodified by any justice, any love, no mercy, no pity, no peace, sheer power. So Moses stands in the presence of power. That's the first revelation of God. And it's I am. May I tell you when you believe, or when you believe it, that's how you use it. Your first use of it, or your first use of it, is sheer power unmodified by any mercy in this world. Just power. So, in this same book of Exodus, he is told to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let his children go free. Then he hardens the heart of Pharaoh. Therefore, he's playing all the parts. He sends his servant Moses to tell Pharaoh to let his children go. Then he hardens the heart of Pharaoh. So, who is playing all the parts? Since Jehovah, which is I Am, is the primary actor in every event, if you adopt this name of God, this is what will happen to you. If you really believe it and adopt it, then the cult of her old personalities will be unable to take any foothold in your faith. You can't turn to any being in this world as an important person in your life, but no one. You can't point to anyone. This night a great man is making his exit from the world, and we all admire him as a person. But when you adopt the name of God, the God of Israel, and so the first revelation is your power, you can do it and you're invited to do it. So Pharaoh, who was condemned condemned by the world, was hardened by the very one who asked him to set the children of Israel free. So when you see it, you can say, At the very end of the drama, Father forgive them, they know not what they do. Luke 23, 34 For God, the Father played all the parts. But you don't know he is God the Father in the early stages of the revelation of the name. The name is revealed as sheer power, nothing but power. And then it unfolds itself and finally comes to the end. And the end is God the Father. And the Father is infinite love. But we don't know that until the very end. So we are told, in various and many ways, God spoke to our fathers through his servants, the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through a son. Hebrews one. Now we know he speaks to a son, then he must be a father. You can't speak through your son unless you are a father, and the son reveals the, va- the father, Matthew eleven twenty seven. But until you reach the point where you see the son and know who God the Father is, you are moved to use sheer power. And so you are invited to use power. So may I tell you how to use it? The name is simply I Am. It's not Neville. It's not John Brown. It's not Mary Smith. There's not any name outside of I am. That's God, and it is infinite might. You could this night, seated here, close your eyes to the obvious and dare to assume that you are now the one that you desire to be, and assume that you are it. Don't ask how. This is a power, sheer power. And in a way that no one knows, this assumption would rearrange the entire structure of your world and mirror the fulfillment of that assumption. You could this very moment assume that you are elsewhere, though you are here, and you have no means of getting there, and suddenly, if you dare to assume it, believing in the name, the only name the God of Israel possesses, I am, if you dare to assume it, then a bridge of incidents would form itself across which you would be compelled to move. You would move across this bridge of events leading up to the fulfillment of your assumption. If you believe in the name of God of Israel, you never leave Egypt until you accept the God of Israel. No one leaves it. Everyone is in Egypt. Everyone is buried in a coffin, as told us so beautifully in the seed plot of the Bible, which is Genesis. In the beginning, God, it begins and the Bible ends. That is the book of Genesis, in a coffin in Egypt, Genesis 1-1, 50-26. 1, and who was put into a coffin in Egypt? Joseph the dreamer. Well, who is the dreamer? Aren't you a dreamer? Behold, the dreamer cometh. Joseph, the prototype of the fulfillment of God's purposes. Genesis thirty-seven nineteen. He said, you meant it for evil. Do you meant it to be evil to me? But God meant it for good. Genesis fifty twenty. So God played both parts. He made you sell me into Egypt. And yet he did it for a purpose. That I would show the whole vast world who God is. He's the dreamer. The dreamer in man is God. When the one that you desire to be and assume that you are it, don't ask how this is power, sheer power. And in a way that no one knows, this assumption would rearrange the entire structure of your world and mirror the fulfillment of that assumption. You could this very moment assume that you are elsewhere. Though you are here, and you have no means of getting there, and suddenly if you dare to assume it, believing in the name, the only name the God of Israel possesses, I am, if you dare to assume it, then a bridge of incidents would form itself across which you would be compelled which you would be compelled to move. You would move across this bridge of events leading up to the fulfillment of your assumption. If you believe in the name of God of Israel, you never leave Egypt until you accept the God of Israel. No one leaves it. Everyone is in Egypt. Everyone is buried in a coffin, as told so beautifully in the seed plot of the Bible, which is Genesis. In the beginning, God it begins and the Bible ends. That is the book of Genesis in a coffin in Egypt. Genesis one, 1 fifty twenty six. And who was put into a coffin in Egypt? Joseph, the dreamer. Well, who is the dreamer? Aren't you a dreamer? Behold, the dreamer cometh. Joseph, the prototype of the fulfilment of God's purpose, is... Genesis thirty-seven nineteen. He said, "You meant it for evil. You meant it to be evil to me, but God meant it for good." Genesis fifty twenty. So God played both parts. He made you sell me into Egypt. And yet he did it for a purpose, that I would show the whole vast world who God is. He is the dreamer. The dreamer in man is God. When you say, I am, that's God. The Bible recognizes only one source of dreams. All dreams, all visions proceed from God. Numbers twelve six, Job thirty three fifteen. So I stand here, I can dream a daydream, or I can close my eyes and fall into a little nap, and have an uncontrolled night dream, or I can open my eyes upon the world and ignore the entire world and have a control, controlled daydream, still the same dream this is the power that God or that is God, which is I am. so if you accept the God of Israel, you begin to move out of Egypt. That is the beginning of Exodus. but man has great trouble in keeping the tents; he's always turning here, turning there, turning elsewhere. He can't seem to be faithful to the tense. The tense is I am. If I say thou art, I'm away. If I say he is, I'm away. If I use the word Lord and think of something else other than I am, I'm away. If I use any name in scripture for God and do not allow it to register in me as I am, I'm completely away. So the yad Bahe, which is the Lord in scripture, which means I am, it is a verb to be. But it has no sound. There are four consonants and no one can really sound it. My old friend Ab tried to explain to me how to sound it, but he couldn't sound it. You can't sound yad he, he in Hebrew. There's no way to sound it. But we have added something to it and tried to give it sound. We call it Jehovah. Some call it Yahweh. But you can't sound the name. It's the unpronounceable name, this power, that is, I am. If you always remember that when they use the word Adonai, they use the word Adonai for the saying Yatevah, because they can't sound Yahweh they sound or they say Adonai. Sometimes they use the word uh, blank, so the word is missing, Aleph uh, Lamed, and they will use many words. But no matter what word you hear for God, you can always remember it is I am, and no one else. Then you can't go wrong. All things are possible to God. If a man can stand before a board and simply see on that board what he wants to see, which, if he saw it, would imply that he owned the building. Well, who's looking at it? I am. Well, what are you seeing? I am seeing it. I am seeing it. It would imply I own the entire block, and that's all that I do. So, I am doing it. And two years later, without a nickel in the pocket, I own the block. And this is true, I'm not manufacturing this, I'm telling you a story. That building was bought in 1924 for $50,000 and he didn't have a penny in his pocket. He sold it this past year for 840000 and there's no tax on capital gain. That is a man who is my second brother, who is simply looking and simply using God's only name, which is I Am. This is sheer power when it first reveals itself to man. So we go forward condemning Pharaoh. Why condemn Pharaoh when the being who plays Pharaoh plays the part of Moses? He's playing all the parts in the world. Be every part. After you use it, and quite often unwisely, unlovingly, unmercifully, still in the end there's no condemnation. You're moving towards a predetermined end to find that God is Father and infinite love is God. But tonight I share with you my own knowledge and use and use of this name in power. I can also share with you, and I will, this name in its final state of love. For when you come to the very end of the unfolding of the name, you are God. So you start in the beginning, and so you are told, I have tried you in the furnaces of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. Isaiah forty-eight ten. God alone is praise unto God. Spirit alone praise unto Spirit. Life alone is praise unto life. So if I would receive the praise, the glory of God, I must become God first. And so here are the words in the seventeenth of John. Father, glorify Thy Son that the Son may glorify Thee. Verse one. The Son can't glorify the Father until the Father first glorifies the Son. Now he makes the statement, I have accomplished all the works thou gavest me to do. Now, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory I had with thee before that the world was. Verse 4. Well, who is asking the question? You and I, when we have finished the work, when we have accomplished all the work given to us to do, We only ask for the return of the glory that we gave up to assume the limitation of flesh. For the one that is asking is the creative power and wisdom of God personified as man. So to come here, we came with a purpose. And to come here, we were the creative power and the wisdom of God. For that's who Christ is, as told us in the book of Corinthians, 1st chapter of 1st Corinthians Jesus Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, verse twenty-four, and so here personified as man. But when has completed the work, which is the unfolding of the name God, when it comes to the very end, as the God, uh, sorry, there's a word missing here, as God the Father. Now I've accomplished the work Thou gavest me to do. Now, Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self with the glory that I had with Thee before that the world was. And so God glorifies the Son that the Son may glorify the Father till the Father first glorifies you. And he doesn't glorify you until you come to the very end. When you return, that creative power has returned from its mission. Having accomplished all that it was sent to do, or having accomplished all that it was sent to do, it comes back. And then it returns and the Father glorifies it first that it, in turn, will glorify the Father. So, this is a great mystery of this name. So, in the book of Exodus, when Moses begins to sing the song called the Song of Moses, he said, God is a man of war, the Lord is his name, 15.3. Only power, sheer power, God is a man of war. For he saw it, every child died that was the first child from whom he sat on the throne to the one who was in the dungeon. Go and ask him to let my people go. But I will harden this heart, or harden his heart, and then you tell him that every firstborn this night will die, from Pharaoh's firstborn to the lowest in the land of Egypt. And that night they all die, and the firstborn of the cattle died. They said, We are dead men. Let these people go. Well, who did it? Was it not the same God? Only one God plays all the parts in the world. There's nothing but God. God is playing every part. But now, if you want to really start the exit from the world of death, you must accept the name of the God of Israel. This is monotheism in the extreme. You can't have two gods and be a true Israelite, and only the Israelite comes out of Egypt. As told us, Truly thou hast been good, the pure in heart, the 73rd chapter of the book of Psalms, verse 1. Then he looks and he sees Nathan, who was called Nathaniel, the gift of God. And he said, Behold the Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile, John 1, 47. No two gods, just one God. So he calls Israel. He only calls Israel a man after his own heart, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile, and he calls him. Well, if there is no guile, then you are only worshipping one God, but to worship means worthy of one's attention. So you pay attention to the headlines tomorrow morning. You pay attention to something else tomorrow. Are you paying attention to who I am? Would you spend five minutes tonight before you go to bed, or five minutes tomorrow? just to contemplate being, just being, not John, not Mary, not anyone in this world, simply being. For that is to worship to God. No worship, no worship, I'm sorry, there's a misspelling. Um, for that is to worship God. Oh, so worship only I am. So you dwell upon just being. You'd be amazed what you will see and what will happen, and you dwell upon being. you never seen such glorious light as you dwell just upon being. This golden, golden light begins to appear all around you, liquid light. As we are told in the Book of Wisdom, like gold, and he receives you unto himself as pure molten gold. Then you leave this world, called the world of Egypt, which is a coffin. So then he was placed in the coffin in Egypt the very last verse in the book, the 50th chapter of the book of Genesis, and he was put into a coffin in Egypt, verse 26. But he exacted a pledge from his brothers that he would not be left in Egypt. They would take him out of Egypt and bring him into the land that was promised. So the whole vast world could be almost within that little statement, in the beginning God, in a coffin in Egypt. And then the dreamer is dreaming this fantastic dream of life. All must dream the dream of life, but he will come out of it when he discovers the name of God. The first discovery of the name is sheer might, sheer power. I saw it so clearly when I was a lad in my twenties, taken into the divine society. And the first one I encountered was infinite might, sheer might, not a shred of mercy in his presence. No peace, no love. But in the same society was infinite love who embraced me. And at that moment of the embrace, I became one with him, fused with infinite love that is the ultimate God. Then I was sent back before the first one, sheer might. I had to start there. It was might who commanded me to go into the world and tell this story. It wasn't love. Love embraced me. And while mingled, mingled with love, I was brought before might for the second time. And might send me into the world with this ringing ringing command in my ears. Time to act. That was the word. With emphasis on act. God only acts and is in all existing beings or men. So let us to him who only is. So let us to him who only is. Is give decision. Okay. That doesn't make any sense, but uh, that's from Blake, uh, Heaven to Hell, plate 15. He only acts. I started in that manner, trying to test it, and it worked like a charm. Then from then on, the name itself began to unfold into higher levels. Always might, but from the higher and higher levels until you finally reach the ultimate. And the ultimate is love. God is infinite love, and God is Father. Father. But you will never know the Father saved through the Son, so the Son reveals you to yourself. When God's only begotten Son stands before you, and you know that He is your Son, then you know who you are. You are the Father. So can't you see in this affirmation, I am, this strange, wonderful unity of God and man? That is my name forever. When I say, I am, and you say, I am, well, isn't this a strange, wonderful revelation of the unity of man and the oneness with God? Then we understand that greatest of all statements when asked, What is the greatest of all commandments? And he answered, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord. The word translated, the Lord, is I am. The word Elohim would be the I am's. It's God, is plural. Then comes again, the Lord I am, is one. So here is a compound unity, one made up of others. So, all of together form the one. All, to, all of them together form the one Lord, that is the God of Israel. So no one departs from this fabulous world of death until he first accepts the God of Israel, which is I am. Then he starts. He may make numberless mistakes, as you're told in the journey. They turn back. They made every effort to go back to Egypt because they forgot the tents. They couldn't quite remain faithful to the tents, which is I am. So they brought in idols. They built a golden calf, and they built something else. They made something else all in conflict with the second commandment. Make no graven image unto me, Deuteronomy 6.8. While the graven image need not be something physical, it could be an idea. I met a wonderful person, they will tell you, come and hear me. Come and hear her. Oh, he is so altogether near God. So you forget I am, and you go to he is. That's not God. It's not out there at all. God does not wear the name Neville or John Brown. These are masks. Forget them. It's simply I am. So wherever you are in this world, whatever you're doing, if you could only remember the name of God and call upon it, Instantly you would be redeemed from whatever you are if you call upon it in another state. He said, I am the Lord. Rightly translated, it would be, I am the I am. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, and besides me there is no Savior. I know not any. I know no other Savior. I am the first and the last, and there's none beside me. Read it in the book of Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, the 41st verse, the 44th chapter, Isaiah 43.3, 22, 44.6, and 41.4. Tie them together and see this wonderful revelation of the name of God, who is the Savior of the world. So tonight, instead of praying to someone, may I tell you, if the name of God I worship as I am, then it follows only what I am. Can I pray aright? I can't pray aright in any other way other than by what I am. He doesn't hear my words. There's a little story that Michael turned to the Lord and said, Allow me, sire, but I think you've made a great mistake in permitting man to learn how to talk. All of the prayers were coming up, and it sounded like babble. Everyone was asking something entirely different. All were asking. So he said, If you did not allow them to talk, we could then understand what they were praying for. God said to him, I never listen to what they say. I listen only to their lives. That's all. I listen only to their lives. So only what I am is answered. No prayer of mine goes beyond the roof but the prayer of what I am. That's all that I can answer. So this night, if I would be healthy, I must assume that I am. If I would be wealthy, I must assume that I am. Don't ask anyone in this world for permission. If I would be anything, I must assume that I am. For that is asking, and the only name that really responds. I only listen to their lives, and my assumption need not be based upon the evidence of my senses. It need not be based upon reason. My assumption At that very moment that I assume it will actually build a wonderful series of events, and then I, standing here, will be compelled to walk across the series of events, across that bridge of incidents, and move exactly where the assumption leads me. I have done it, time and time again. When things seemed so black, I couldn't turn for light. I didn't know where to turn. Had no money. Had none of this, none of that. And I dared to assume that I was the man that I wanted to be, and I was where I wanted to be, which would have taken quite a fortune. And strangely enough, it all came out of the nowhere. I didn't have to put my hand in the pocket of another to get it. I did nothing, of which I was ashamed. It just happened. But on reflection, one is inclined through past training to believe it It would have happened anyway. And that's when you go back to another God and forget the God of Israel. One must ever remember the God of Israel. That's the God that created the whole vast world and brought it into being and sustains it. Not a thing comes into this world without such support. And when it ceases to receive that support, it vanishes as though it were never present. That is the God of whom I speak. This is the God of Israel. Your own wonderful human imagination, which I speak of, as I am, that's God. Start this night, because you are encouraged to do it. Go back to the book of Exodus, the sheer power. If you are in business, try it. The day will come, you'll move through the entire series and come right up to the fulfillment of it all. And find him to be the God of love, not only the God of love, but Father. So, God has to give you in the end himself to receive glory, because he cannot receive glory from anyone but himself. So, to receive glory from you, he has to give you himself, and he is a father. So, he gives you himself as father, and in so doing, he gives you his son. Then you see his son, and his son calls you father, and you know it. There is no doubt in your mind as to who he is, He is your son. You look into this heavenly face, which is God's only begotten son, Psalm 2, 7, and you know that you are his father, and he is your son. Then the drama is over. But the inheritance, which is God himself, cannot be actualized, or is, at least not fully realized by you who has had the experience so long, as you still wear the garment of flesh, this is a veil of forgetfulness. This amnesia, this little garment, complete amnesia when you step into this world and assume the limitations of the garment of flesh. So you play the part and then you hear from those whom he has sent into the world the real meaning of his name and the power of his name. You take it and you use it. If it proves itself in performance, does it really matter what others think? What do we know in this world better and more thoroughly than what we've experienced? so if i've experienced it does it really matter what anyone in this world will tell me i will say to you you haven't experienced it or you will not tell me that is wrong had you experienced it you would have agreed with me and so you haven't experienced it wait you will experience it after a man has experienced god it doesn't really matter what the world would say about there is no god many of them say there is no god doesn't really matter They go blindly on, not knowing first they're going to find him as power. That's when they first find him. When they find him as power, they're going to use him and misuse him. And as they misuse him, who's misusing him? God's misusing him. He's misusing his own name. He hardens Pharaoh's heart and then kills all the firstborn. In one night they all die. The locusts come and devour all the land. Every plague... No or one after the other is a use of power, but in this way, a strange, peculiar misuse of it. Well, that's all right. You're invited to use it and misuse it. Then comes the pain. He puts you through the furnaces. I'll try you in the furnaces of affliction for my own sake. For my own sake, I do it. For how shall my name be profaned? My glory, I will not give to another. Isaiah forty-eight ten. So he has to bring me into that state that is just like himself before he can give me his glory, that I may reflect his glory. He can't possibly give it to me until I become one with him. He takes me through all these furnaces, and finally I become molten gold and can be quickly molded into this image. In the twinkle of an eye, that molten gold takes on his image. And then you ascend right up into heaven with God the Father, forever and forever. I can share it with you. I can't convince you by words. I can only tell you it starts with the first revelation of the name, and the first revelation is power. Sheer, unmerciful power. That's power. He's called a God of war until this is his name. But after you've gone through it and you see it and you've used it unmercifully, you will come out of it. And you'll use it on a higher level and a still higher level. And finally, you reach the highest level. And it's a level of love where God is infinite love. And may I tell you, there's no power in the world comparable to God. We speak of this power on this level, but love is greater than all. That's the greatest of all. For it's the ultimate of God that is love. So tonight, you take this wonderful name and you try it. It won't fail you, I promise you. It won't fail you. Just I am. Forget what you've done in this world. Forget what people think that you are. Forget all the little tags people put upon you. Do take off everything and simply dwell on I am. Repeat it to yourself quietly without any audible sound. Just I am. You'll be amazed what happens. Just I am. Then in that I amness. Clothe it with your wish fulfilled. Just try it. I'm telling you what I have experienced. This is not any theory. This is not speculation. This is pure experience. It comes that way in an ultimate bliss. I can't tell you anyone, or I can't tell anyone in words what it is to reach a state where there is no one but I am. You are an infinite being, pulsing liquid light. There's no world, no people, nothing, just I am. It's a state beyond any way that man could describe in words. And so, you and I separate as we are seemingly, in that state we are one. So if you bear his name as we are told, go and call my daughters from the ends of the earth and call my sons from afar, all those who are called by my name, Isaiah forty-three six. Aren't you called by his name? Before you say anything in this world, you say, I am, don't you? Well, that's the name. Call my daughters from the ends of the earth and call my sons from afar, all who are called by my name. Well, we're called by the name because I am. You can say I am if you first are not aware of being, then you can't be aware of being anything. You must first be aware of being by saying I am. Call all my daughters, call all my sons who are called by my name and let them know that I am the only savior. Besides me, there is no savior. He calls them all and gives himself to the called. But tonight, if you are now looking for a better job or a change in your social world or your physical world or whatever it is, Start with the sheer power of God, which is I am, and then God can conjure anything in this world. All things are possible to God. Then dare to assume that I am, and you name it, as you name it, it is that, then I am. So what should I say? Just say, I am that I am. When you go to them, just simply say, I am has sent me unto you. That's all that you say. Some will believe you and some will not. That's all that you say. Some will believe you and some will not. That is all that you say. Just say, I am as sent me unto you. For that's my name forever, throughout all generations. Exodus 3.14 So tonight you simply assume that I am, and then you name it, the minute that you name it. You put that on it, and then affirm it, I am. You say, I am healthy word healthy would become that in the sentence, I am. I am wealthy. I am. I am employed. Gainfully employed. I am. So that sentence in the middle, gainfully employed, becomes that in the sentence. I am, and you affirm it. Then fall asleep in that statement just as though it were true, and test God and see. As you're told, come test me and see. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in thee? Unless, of course, you fail to meet the test. 2 Corinthians 13.5 Jesus Christ is the power and the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians one twenty four. It's this power. So you try it this night and see if you do not externalize in your world that which you are affirming as true of yourself. Okay. So, that is the end of uh, Neville Goddard's lecture. This is my name forever. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. Again, there um, are links to Neville's lectures in the description for this uh, podcast episode, as well as a link to uh, the Neville Goddard courses. So not all of the courses are available yet, um, but check those out if you feel so inclined to do so and you want to dive deeper into Novels' work. Um, I will see all of you in the next episode. I hope everyone has a wonderful day. Bye now.